I felt like it was kind of a responsibility of mine kind of transition, like slowly transition people's expectations of what the new album might be. So, you know, I didn't want them to like hit, get hit with the album and you like have no idea or no reference point of like why the hell this is happening. Ghost Cult Magazine welcomes in our pal, Joey Diabolic. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. What's going on? Not too much traveling the country, doing the things. You, much like me, an East Coast guy transplanted to the West. So first things first, how is how's California been working out for you so far? It's been pretty good. I can't really complain. It was definitely needed. Nice, right? Yeah, there is something about the West Coast. I don't know what, maybe it's the sunlight. <laughs> like we never saw sunlight before. Got closet exactly. goth, all the closet goths. We never saw the sun before. But I just think there's something special about the west coast as much as a diehard east coast person i am my uh my podcast host nick slaughters me every week because i'm back east right now and he's like oh tell us again about the east coast and the pizza and how everything sucks out you know like outside of new york i'm like i know i sound like that but i really do appreciate uh northern california and i like i like southern california to visit but how is it to live you live right in hollywood now it's actually pretty cool pretty chill um some spots of uh, LA were a little bit crazy, but where I'm at now, it's uh, it's pretty nice. I mean, I could walk down the street to a, a movie premiere if I wanted to, <laughs> or see them setting up or tearing down. So, and uh, it's pretty close to Sunset Strip and the Whiskey a Go Go and all that sort of jazz. So, no complaints really. Right on, and right, and outside of making music, you also do a lot of creative services and stuff. And I know we were talking offline about the SAG-AFTRA strike, which I hope is going to come to a positive resolution at some point soon, uh, because you need to pay people fairly. If you make money hand over fist, even if you don't make it at the level you used to, you're still making a ton of money on the backs of the hard work of people who need to get compensated fairly. How, has that affected you personally in like your composing stuff or any of your creative services for your company? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, just being out in LA, you know, everything is just generally more expensive. So, you know, rates had to go up, you lose clients, but then you gain clients. And, you know, that's just part of the normal having your own business sort of thing. As far as doing, you know, Uber driving as well, just to kind of supplement, I've noticed a really big difference um, in work on that front just because of the strikes going on. You know, I was driving, you know, Netflix executives, advertising uh, crew from Warner Brothers and Universal, actors, actresses, makeup artists, stagehands, you know, like everybody at different levels of the industry. And it's affected everyone really bad. And it's also hurting a lot of small businesses. So it would be really great for everybody involved if they get, you know, kind of zipper this up quick and uh, they can afford it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they don't want to zipper it up quick. That's the problem. I don't know if you saw the leaked memo by uh, some of those big wigs who have like, uh, you know, this is why there's unions in the first place to, con- they, you know, the consolidation of power. We're not going to get into a big manifesto here, I promise. But there was a big leak of one of the guys like, yeah, we'll just freeze them out for months until they cave. And it's like horrible. What a horrible stance in negotiating. Not even not a negotiating tactic, a stance. Like really shitty. Oh, yeah. and, I, and I understand that unions also have over time adopted some of the same shittiness as management and the bit, you know, the business side because they had to. Uh, I always say about, uh, you know, Antifa versus fascism, you can't beat fascism with more fascism. That's not how it works. But like, yeah. 
Also, there's a reason why Antifa exists. There's a reason why unions exist. There's a labor movement for a reason. We just did a big charity comp uh, for the Teamsters and uh, in San Francisco, actually. Even though the, oh, wow. the comp was uh, nationwide uh, in terms of talent. But, like, we did a... We just uh, participated in it. It's still going. Like, people could still donate to it. It's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I hope that turns around. I agree with you. Like, the slowdown's bad for everybody. I was going to say, and also people are on vacation, too. So it's kind of like a weird, you know, I think in all small businesses, no matter what your industry is, they're all kind of hurting a little bit. For the whole, uh, you know, these these corporate executives and everything that want to freeze people out until they lose their homes and apartments, like, you're a piece of shit. What the fuck? I agree. I back that a thousand percent. What a terrible, the fact that someone even said it out loud or wrote it, I understand that like, you know, it's them, it's, you know, it's bitter, right? It's a bitter scenario, but like, ugh. and uh, that person should not work anymore. But uh, a person who doesn't need to worry about rent and things like that is, is trying to harm people. How terrible. But on the positive side, here's a funny question for you. Just this, this just sparked in me. So I know that I've had a lot of Uber rides where music becomes like a conversation. I'm sure you drive around and listen to music, right? Because music's right. your life. Do you Have you had some fun interactions either about music in general and then like Joey Diabolic music comes up? Or, you know, have you met anybody interesting about, through music, like bonded through music in the car? Yeah. I mean, I have a Uber playlist. It's like, it's all curated. I put like 36 hours of music in it and it's everything. It's like stuff that goes back to like the thirties and forties to the current. Doesn't matter what genre it's like, if it's a good song, I'm going to play it. And certain rides, you know, it's just kind of, I kind of just keep to myself, let them do their thing. Sometimes there's opportunities to talk to people like they're kind of open to it. And then there is the eventual conversation where it's like, oh, you know, why did you move out to L.A.? And then, obviously, I get into the music thing, preview a few tracks, hook them up with one of the keychains that um, is actually bundled with the CD, but I'm doing uh, giving out keychains as kind of like little promos to my Uber riders. So, you know, it can't hurt. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's really great to kind of even connect with people just on music because everyone's got their thing. A lot of people aren't into the same sort of music, and it's, you know, find a halfway point that's always good, in my opinion. I love it. I love the guerrilla marketing aspect. That's amazing. Taking it all the way back before social media, physical products. And you yeah, and you've always stuff. you've always put a premium on merch and things uh, as we have been the recipient of one of the boxes and things like that. Like yep. you've always done these lavish, incredible things. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I like to I don't know, like especially the box that I felt like that was culmination of like three years of stuff and really wanted to showcase my love for horror and even if it's like more popular horror or whatever but uh yeah with the the just drive it's a little bit you know a little bit more straightforward but it's still cool stuff you know i think people who want it want it it's enjoyable and got a whole bunch of merch online yeah it's uh it's fun it's like another medium it's another creative outlet i really have fun with. right on i don't know if you saw we just ran the story where uh, the label sacred bones is putting out a vinyl compilation from john carpenter and and family and uh oh it, it looks sick i was like oh my god i love john carpenter so much i almost like the music equal to the movies now which is insane yeah. i actually like the music to the last halloween movie he did with his son more than the movie <laughs> the last two movies actually he still you know the inexecutive producer credit and still right. on the soundtracks so uh, even if he's not directly making the film so uh yeah, I'm yeah. all about it, and I know you are too. And I and it kind of ties into these. So you have a string of singles out, right? 
And uh, you've all, you know, you've you had some metal, you've done some incredible covers, and then you have your originals. And this latest batch, I don't know if this is aiming toward another record or if this is just a makes sense to do singles. You hear a lot of industry talk that it's like a singles and EPs world right now, uh, that people's attention spans are limited, they're overwhelmed with content. There's something like 100,000 new songs uploaded to streaming every week which would be more than a lifetime to listen to for anybody of any genre. But um, you've got this string of singles, so why why singles now instead of like saving up to do a whole record or an EP at once? I think it's just really about momentum. And at the same time, I feel like going from the more industrial metal, horror, dark wave stuff into this new album, which is generally kind of like a straightforward rock record with blues and country and jazz and rockabilly and Americana, I felt like it was kind of a responsibility of mine, kind of transition, like slowly transition people's expectations of what the new album might be. So, you know, I didn't want them to like hit, get hit with the album and you like have no idea or no reference point of like, why the hell this is happening? Like with the seven EP I did at the end of last year, there were songs that were still more in line with uh, through sound waves. And then there's some tracks that are kind of like transitional sort of I don't know, rock hard rock sort of songs or edgier songs chill songs so it kind of made sense to have that in between the box set and this album but still this album some of the stuff is like morphine or the police america like a lot more rock or even singer songwriter focus so you know figure if i was doing a palate cleanse musically then it would be helpful to guide my audience through that as well fair enough at the same time i'm, I'm so stoked to hear some of that in future songs and the rest of the record, but also I'm hearing still some soundtracky Stranger Things stuff. I, I speaking to Carpenter, some very like synth, pre proto synth wave composerish stuff, um, and even so, yeah, like a lot of '80s vibes for sure. And uh, and it's funny that you said America because like I think of America, I think of like the soundtrack stuff they did more than the singles. Um, you know, people don't know. You do the digging and you find out the soundtrack stuff that they did is pretty incredible even if the movies weren't memorable that much but uh yeah you know it seems like you're pulling in all your influences on the, on this stuff here yeah trying you know and it's it's also nice to kind of uh branch out a little bit musically like i can always do another record of like what i've done before like i mean i obviously have stuff in the in the works and in the queue it's kind of nice especially being out here driving cross country which is where the inspiration for the album came from you know, just driving across, go through 20 states or whatever, you know, it's going to leave some sort of impact. And then just the energy and vibe is so different in California compared to New York. Like, why not capture some of the essence in this music and just, you know, do something a little bit more fun, you know, kind of have the horror and the metal kind of take a backseat, per se, and just, uh, and then also write music that would have the opportunity for placement in TV and film because why not? It's just more exposure, and it'd be great passive income. Uh, again, there is killer music in virtually everything you see. Uh, every single, yeah, there's. You, it's a good way to go conceptually if you can cross over, if you ever did. You, you see it in the most random places. I know that there's sort of a uh, arms-crossed, gatekeeper-y backlash against anyone who's too successful, so-and-so is an industry plant. You're seeing that now with, like, Scowl and the punk bands that are getting picked up by, hey, Taco Bell knows who eats their food. It's, like, young people that listen to alternative rock and sort of, you know, 
hardcore, modern hardcore bands. They know who's buying their food. <laughs> like, they know who to market to. Yeah. They're geniuses at this. I don't eat there, but there, there's one down the block from my hotel. I'd rather go to a real Mexican place, but like, they know who their audience is. I'm not their demographic, clearly, at this age. Someone else yeah. is. You know, but that's kind of the thing, too. It's like expanding your brand awareness and just, I don't know. I think people get way too hung up on that sort of uh, ideology. And that that actually turns potential the potential of increasing your fan base or your community base when you have a, an attitude in that way. So it doesn't really work. Crossed arms sort of gatekeeping thing. I get it. And also, even on my side of the journos, we do it, too. And I'm trying to make sure we're healthily aware of not doing right, it. But yeah. We I also mean, do it like this, you know, this is good, this isn't, and why doesn't this pass muster? And we're never like us. We're ne- we're cru- we're very critical reviewers. I like to think we're some, right. of the, some of the tougher reviewers out there. So if we like somebody, we really like them. But if we don't, that's fine too. But like at the same time, you know, I also like this is somebody's life. This is somebody's work. Somebody really loved this music. They took the time to go to, you know, either a label put it out or put it out themselves. Someone loves this. I used to make music a lot and it mattered to me a lot what people thought about it, hate or love, which I got both right. of. So I know it matters and I would try not to be insensitive even if we don't like a thing. Um, yeah, constructive criticism goes a lot further than just bashing somebody. I mean, <laughs> hatred gets clicks though. So like that's the, the that's other <laughs> like re- extreme reviews that are hyper shitty do yeah. really well. And blogs that, you know, that's what they lean on or vloggers, YouTube, whatever, those people seem to do really well. I don't know. Uh, but we don't do that, I guess. <laughs> Should learn from their uh, experience. If you're interested, I didn't actually prep this too well with you, but if you're interested, maybe we can just review these last four singles and you can share whatever you want to share about them. This is typically an exercise, I say, for an EP or an album, but I think it'd be fun to get a little extra perspective from you on these tracks. I don't have the order they were released in. I'm going off Spotify, so don't blame me. Um, I'm going to go with my favorite first, which I love absolutely. The title is what drew me in, and then I fell in love with the song, is I Want Your Sext, because <laughs> I'm such a George Michael freak. And, I, and it, it just, yeah, I mean, like, if you don't know... Faith is one of the greatest albums, probably one of the top five albums of the whole 80s. If you don't know, now you know. So tell us about I Want Your Sex, beside the awesome title. Well, it's actually funny. Um, a few years back, I did like the 12-inch vinyl single version of I Want Your Sex. And I think there was like a remix on it as well. And it's just like, I don't listen to George Michael like all the time or whatever. It's like every once in a while, like, I'm like oh, let me just listen to something from the 80s or whatever, you know. And it's just a, such a cool song. It's also, I think they had uh, one of the George Michael songs in the movie Atomic Blonde. And then I'm just like, how would this song nowadays, you know, with technology being kind of the forefront and how like how people interpersonally kind of act, uh, interact. So it's like, oh, people would definitely be sexting, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's, I mean, that's fun in itself, right? I mean, but, uh, but yeah, so it's kind of playing on that, the lyrically and the song title and then the music. It was started off with that bass riff and it's like 10-4. So it's actually not in time, but it's kind of doing that turn it on again Genesis thing where the beat goes forward, goes forward, then goes backwards for two beats and then goes forward again, which I thought was kind of an interesting uh, uh, compositional construction. Right on. Uh, by the way, Shep Pettibone, good reference right there. Uh, look up all his remixes. And then if you're so metal that you can't relate to dance music or pop music, you know, Six Degrees of Separation, right? Shep Pettibone's brother is Richie Pettibone, 
the famous artist who made the Black Flag logo and Black Flag album oh, wow. covers. Yeah, they're really related. Um, I think he's done some. Uh, uh, Shep has done remixes for Depeche Mode too. Yep. Oh, everybody. Which a whole eighties. Madonna. You know. Everybody. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, love Madonna too. Yeah, all the all the Madonna remixes and Twelve Inches are like gold to me. Um, yeah, tremendous. Yeah, it's a great. It's a, like definitely my favorite track of the four. But I know that that's like the least out of the box probably for you of what you just described the rest of this music that's coming yeah. sounds like. So let's now, let's go into Go As You Are next. Yeah, so when I was, you know, okay, so the album initially was going to be covers that I was listening to throughout, you know, the drive. And I'm like, what about I did my version of it? Like if I, if I wrote a version of it, this song didn't kind of exist, but it kind of did in spirit. So I was kind of playing on... The Cure meets Nirvana meets Elvis Costello, you know, for the music. And then just for the words, I was kind of thinking like, you know, Kirk Cobain did some really cool stuff with like very simplistic lyrics. And I was like, let me try that. Like, I've never really done that. Like, I've always done something where it's like, I'm trying to like uh, communicate like a story or whatnot. And this one is just like, just have fun. Let's make it just the most laid back lyrics, the most, you know. Yeah, I think the music's pretty cool though. I do as well. Let's talk about Day of Rest Scarlet next, which also has my favorite artwork of the four singles. Oh, yeah, the uh, that artwork is actually a few different film uh, screenshots of footage I was taking while driving cross country. I also have like all this footage of driving down the highways and everything too, which I'll eventually comp together. Oddly enough, I was uh, the main riff, which just kind of starts the song, the guitar part. That was actually inspired by Scarlett Johansson. I think I was watching The Avengers or something like that. She popped up on screen. And then I was just like thinking about like, how do people like fall in love with these actors with their characters and stuff like that? In a weird way, like they develop a relationship with these people that don't know they even exist. I just thought that was kind of like an interesting concept to work from to try to like use the music as a way to communicate not only um, like a theatrical cinematic experience, but maybe... Um, a sense of like a unrequited existence. I don't know. It's just the, you know, just playing on concepts and ideologies and thoughts. Nice. Randomly, I have watched Iron Man 2, which was Skojo's entrance into the MCU, like three times staying in different hotels the last few weeks. And her acting in that movie is sensational, actually. People don't realize what a what an incredible uh, job she did in that film. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Skojo. Man, how, how, Colin Jost, I salute you, bro. Like... <laughs> How? How? Being yeah. funny. That's how you get the girl. You're fu- you be funny. Yeah. You can do anything. <laughs> you can get any level of partner uh, of any walk and any stripe if you're just a, a humorous person. Uh, so the final recent single that I want to talk about is Ambience in the Stars. And you actually spelled it correctly. <laughs> it's a bugaboo word for a lot of people, yeah. uh, non, you know, for people who are American. <laughs> um, I was actually... Okay, so that actually was inspired by an Uber drive. So I brought this artist out and his girlfriend out to the middle of the desert in El Mirage uh, a few months back. And he was DJing like this super DIY uh, music festival, which was super chill. And I guess like the night before was the main kickoff. And they had all these gusts of winds that kind of knocked everything out. But people were still vibing and everything. So while he was doing a set where I could still hear, you know, I was just walking around the whole desert and just like really kind of reconnecting with uh, the universe a little bit and when his set was done and i had to bring him to lax just like i kind of experienced like one of the 
most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen in my life. I wish I had it on video or had a photo of it, but it was just like the, the color palette was just, I've never seen anything like that ever. By the time I got home and then for the next couple of days, I couldn't stop thinking about just kind of the reconnecting with the earth and the universe and then what I was seeing on the way back during nightfall. And I was just like, this song could probably work on the next album, but like, I think I'd be missing an opportunity if I didn't close out this album with that, where it's like, it's ending at dusk. Nice. All right. That gets me even more hype. And uh, I don't know, I described the sunset and the sunrise on the West Coast as like a charoscuro, uh, Middle Ages, Caravaggio uh, kind of uh, watercolor kind of feeling like it's a soft Absolutely. light that's not like the harsh New York dawn sunlight for some reason on the east coast is like ah <laughs> and the west coast yeah. is just kind of just like the west coast is like hey man ease into it and ease out of it right it's yeah. it's soft soft light that's very pleasing and and even like uh, comforting uh, to me Most definitely uh, and again, I was never a daylight person, but, uh, so without revealing too much, cause I think you've been parsing these out pretty, you know, regularly. Is there a, is there an, do we have a release coming by the end of 23? Is it going to be 2024 before the full thing is revealed? Can you share that even? What are you ready to talk about here? Oh, for the album? Yeah. Uh, that actually drops tomorrow. Oh. The main album. Yeah. No. Way. So, <laughs> but, uh, I do have a few singles off that album you know after that obviously to keep pushing it and then i am going to take a little bit of a another detour per se in october and drop um my updated cover of the friday the 13th nintendo theme i did like eight years ago as martyr art i'm reproducing that and re-releasing that as joey diabolic uh, my idea with this to kind of bring in some more of the horror icons so maybe some pinhead some freddy krueger you know, because right now it's just uh, Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers that are actually in it. Um, but then after that, I think in early 2024, I'm actually releasing a full instrumental version of the album. And then eventually I'll do some like long form video stuff for the whole album. All right. That's amazing. Uh, I don't know if I missed something there in the PR. I don't know <laughs> if this is a surprise drop tomorrow or not, but we're here for it so we'll we'll make sure to share when it's you know completely live and everything and do a proper thing because this is going to come out at a later date so you'll you're right. good that you're still pushing other things from it that we can oh. help keep promoting uh for a quick left turn before i give you back the rest of your day i did want to uh we just had the recent 30th anniversary of the release of bloody kisses by typo negative i know you're a big fan you know i'm a big fan uh, we're going to do some additional Ghost Cult content around that album still to come, but I wanted to get you, like, when did you first hear Typo Negative and that particular album, and, like, what, is, what did that album mean to you then and now? For a bunch of bullet, double-barrel questions I shouldn't have all asked at once. Nah, that's cool, man. Um, <laughs> actually, my first introduction to Typo Negative was uh, October Rust. October Rust. And uh, I couldn't get over, like, what I was hearing like I don't remember how I got into that oh I think they're on uh I think they're on a Demon Knight soundtrack or something like one of the one of the soundtracks from that like mid 90s era I know what you did last summer uh so that was like okay Summer Breeze which was a crazy cover my dad was like this is actually not their song this is a cover song is so far from the original that just makes it that much more immaculate of a version but I got into October Rust and I just couldn't couldn't put it down and then got to you know uh bloody kisses and checking that out and 
you know, black number one, Christian woman, like it's, it covers so many different musical subgenres of metal. I don't know. It's kind of hard to put into words, but it's the brilliance. It's like, you can't dispute it. You know, everybody that was on that album, everything they did pretty perfect. And then followed up with October rest, a little bit more of a straightforward approach in my opinion, and definitely showcased more of their Beatles influence. Love that to the same level. So, yeah, man, fucking typo. Fucking typo, bro. Peter, man. Peter is incredible. Not just a mountain of a dude, but a mountain, uh, a well of emotion. Uh, I will say that I think it's kind of like Sabbath, right? Where Bloody Kisses is like so groundbreaking, even though they had already been a band for a while and had other releases. And then October Rust is like the crystallization of that sound. And I think it's like Sabbath with the original Black Sabbath album. And then a few records later, it's like, oh, yeah, this is... This is where they're at. This is this is the oh, definitive yeah. sound. So for a lot of reasons, I feel like October Rust sets the stage for the rest of their output. Um, and I and we would have got more records. Surely, you know, they were we were about to go make a new record when Peter passed. So I don't know, you know. Um, big and fan has, of like, yeah. He had an incredible tone too. I mean, yeah. like just his bass sound. Like the closest that I could even like think of like with that sort of saturation of sound and just kind of colorfulness of his tone was like you know a lot of ways reminded me of like cliff burton maybe not like the the level of complexity that cliff would do but just like the presence and just like i'm fucking here man you're gonna listen to my shit and you're gonna dig it and then just how all the instrumentalists how they all played off each other and just really incredible tapestry of sound right on have you checked out either silver tomb or the new project from Kenny and Johnny, which is I Am with the Crowbar guys. Silver Tomb I've checked out. I Am, I have not. They have a single out and more to come. They're just doing a recording session in New Orleans. Silver Tomb's awesome, and I think the I Am stuff showcases where Kenny is going as a lead vocalist for the next Silver Tomb record is probably going to be like, you know, it's it's super impressive. And I love anything Johnny does. Johnny's so busy. He's like in 80 bands. I don't know. Right. I asked him, when do you sleep, bro? Like, you got a family, (laughs) you got 18 bands. I don't know. It's that passion that drives him, man. Yo, like, if you can make it work for you, do it as hard and as long as you can until you can't do it no more. Any any final thoughts, man? Anything else you want to talk about, share, uh, going on, anything piquing your interest? We covered a lot of ground here, but I just want to give you a final chance to share anything else uh, you're, you're excited about right now for the rest of 2023. I'm just excited for life, man. Just uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty excited to see how Just Drive is received, whether it's liked, hated, people are feeling different to it. You know, just uh, like anything I do, it's kind of a bit of a labor of love. So I'm interested in the reception of that. And yeah, I mean, my cards are full. Like 2024 is going to be a lot of marketing stuff for the music, including remarketing previous material, going back to uh, volume one and even the old martyr art catalog which goes back to like 1998 i'm gonna be pushing a lot of that seller stuff and maybe at the end of 2024 do like a like a compilation a singles compilation of joy diabolic stuff and start working on uh, or finishing up at the core of darkness which i put on hold for the just drive album all right so many irons in the fire plus your media brand which we will also share links of in the description joey man Finally got to chop it up with you again. Super cool. Glad we've been circling each other for years. I'm a fan as well as having helped provide some coverage. So I'm glad to help share your story. Thank you for sharing your story with our audience also. 
And uh, yeah, man, best of luck and congrats on the brand new album. That's amazing. Thank you, QP, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, this is fucking great, man. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, but we both got crazy schedules, man. I'm really glad we were able to make this happen. Two busy guys, but united in music. I love it, bro. Thank you so much for hanging with Ghost Cult. (laughs) And I'll see you soon. All right, man. Take care. Peace.